Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods. Yeah, one in particular. I'm just a messenger. Let me just pass on the rock. Uh. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett. Yeah, the man is a menace. Yeah, building a dynasty. Some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Sly as a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Go. What's going on, everybody? It is Thursday. We got Thursday Night Football back tonight. The Cleveland Browns going up against the Cincy Kitties. It is going to be, I'm hoping, a very good game. We've got Matt here with me as we're going to break down this Thursday night game and, of course, get into a few other things. Matt, how you doing on this beautiful, beautiful Thursday of Week 2 with the NFL football, or with NFL football? Well, you know, I, I started the day by seeing the updates in the Discord and then quickly prompted me to read the NFL injury report, which has led to my oh, question, man. who needs receivers? And hopefully the answer is no one, because I looked at my work league where my top three picks were Michael Thomas, Chris Godwin, and Cortland Sutton. What a good experience week two of the NFL season is shaping up to be. Yeah, that's uh, we're we are going to talk injuries today, and I know I, I do think there's some good news on a couple of those guys, but yeah, there there's definitely looks like all three of those guys are likely going to be out at least this week. So this is not going to be a fun week for anybody who owns any of those guys. Let's see here, I guess we'll just jump right into it. Go go all with the injuries. I mean, I I honestly haven't seen anything on Sutton and Lindsay. I figured you would be able to give us the updates on those being so, the Broncos uh, fans. So what have you got for those two guys? Uh, Lindsay has turf toe. He's not practicing. They said he's day to day, but a report yesterday said he probably will miss a couple of weeks. I would say it's not likely he's going to play uh, this week at Pittsburgh, and it's a, an abominable matchup anyway. So honestly, if you had a guy who was lacking explosion and who was dealing with turf toe, you'd probably be better off. Sutton um, Still isn't practicing. They said they were going to try to see if he could do more toward the end of the week. They're coming on a short week. He, It's literally, I think it was two weeks ago, or a week ago today is when he separated his AC joint. Yeah. For a big receiver, again, we, I think we all watched Pittsburgh play this last week since they were the Monday night game. Um, I don't have high hopes uh, in general, but especially for injured players. When we did our consensus ranking, I didn't rank Sutton or Lindsay. I'm assuming yeah. they're going to miss. Yeah, I left both of them out as well. Uh, I don't even think I ranked Galladay, who I think is kind of in the same situation. Obviously not an AC point, but it looks like he's going to be out as well. well I ranked him too. Yeah, he has a hamstring injury. I was kind of bummed that he hasn't made more progress because it seemed a little more hopeful when I was trying to decide yesterday, like there was a chance. I Even if he plays, I, I had him mid-20s actually or low-20s because of that because not only that, he he gets um, – I can't remember the corner for Green Bay, but we talked about him. Jair Alexander. All, yeah, Jair Alexander who had an all-world game yeah. last week, so – yeah, it's 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 not great news. Obviously, uh, you just mentioned another guy that you own, Chris Godwin. I, I would think he's going to be out. I mean, it, it's not confirmed yet. We have seen these guys who all of a sudden come off concussion protocol by like Saturday and they're good to go. But he's still in the concussion yeah. protocol, entered it late. as is, I don't think it happened until Monday or Tuesday I, because the symptoms yeah. came up late is what I read. So I think at this point, you've also got to fade Chris Godwin already this late in the week as well. So, yeah, it's been a rough week, as you mentioned, for those wide receivers. Which, it's, it's a real question now because everybody was is really high on the Bucks this week. I am kind yeah. of too because Carolina has a streak of 13 straight games, allowing three or more touchdowns. Mike Evans did not look great week one, has his own hamstring, was very dubious in terms of a lineup. If Godwin also misses – as somebody who watched that entire game because it was America's game of the week and there was no afternoon games, 
I didn't think Gronk looked spectacular. So it's curious to me, you know, are they going to try to pound with Ronald Jones? I mean, we just saw a rush defense that gave up, obviously, an all-world performance to Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, Scotty Miller's got potential. It's, it's just interesting. It, you know, the fantasy advice was start all your bucks. Well, who are those yeah. bucks going to be? Are, uh, is anyone bold enough to roll Justin Watson on, no. you know, in week two? No, no, not going to happen. I mean, I, I do think Mike Evans will probably be back and be healthy. I know they're, they're all kind of talking about he's yeah. been full go, but that that's really going to be it. Uh, I do think with what we saw out of Scotty Miller, you can probably throw him in a flex spot, but he's not going to jump in and take anything like what Chris Godwin could do when Chris Godwin's healthy. You can maybe, maybe I think, what did he have, like six catches for 70 yards or something like that in week one? Yeah, it's six for 79. So, yeah, I mean, you could probably expect something like that. Maybe you get a touchdown in there with Godwin being out. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not expecting much. It's been a weird week. I will say the I, the one thing I would think maybe a good thing is that none of these players are getting put on IR. And with the new NFL rule, you can go on IR for three weeks. I do think that if teams felt like they knew for sure that these guys were going to be out for three weeks, they would have all just gone on IR already and just be done with it because they can bring up those extra players from the practice squad, like the Browns have been doing like crazy the past couple days. And then they can also send them back down without losing them. So I, I, I do think maybe that's good news for Galladay Sutton. I mean, Lindsay's injury just happened. So maybe Galladay Sutton they're they're expecting him at worst. If they can't make their, their returns this week, they will be back by next week. But yeah, it's, uh, well, I think, I think it's more of a case, you know, with, with some of those guys that were borderline to week one, they didn't go the IR route there, hoping that they could play. And at this point in time, if they put them on now, it's yeah. it's this plus two more games. So I wouldn't say it necessarily makes me feel like they would for sure be ready to go next week. But I think they're thinking week four, week five. But Denver is also, I swear, last year, I think Bryce Callahan was questionable to doubtful for like eight weeks before they finally just were like, oh, yeah, he's never going to play. Let's put him on IR. They didn't even put Von Miller on IR until Monday. So I'm not sure. Denver can't manage the clock. They apparently can't manage the injury list either. Well, you know, um, I don't know what to say on that. I guess that's probably, that. that's, you know, John Elway doing John Elway things, I guess, you know. Not know. the clock management. But. Well, yeah, that's on Fangio. Yeah. But I don't think Fangio has any control over their IR run. I could be wrong. Maybe he does. I, I don't know. I, I could be wrong on that. Well, I just don't know if it just, I don't know if they're like overly hopeful with some of these valuations. Um, yeah, I think with Von Miller, they were waiting to see if they could sign somebody to make corresponding moves. And they just finally were like, well, because they brought in Cameron Wake, they brought in Clay Matthews, they brought in somebody else, and it never quite happened. But, you know, Sutton, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see him until week four, but I actually, you know, those AC joints, especially the kind of receiver he is, uh, would make me really nervous. Uh, and I think that's the same, you know, Galladay, when you're talking about a hamstring, I, I think that's why we've had these kind of situations with receivers. Well, speaking of receivers with injuries, just came across on Twitter from Adam Schefter. AJ Brown is now mispracticed today with a bruise bone in his knee. He is in jeopardy. There is je my God, I can't read. That is jeopardizing his availability for Sunday's game against the Jaguars and possibly beyond is likely God. to be a week to week knee injury. So this, it's another this, top wide receiver. Sweet. Well, and that's right. Like if you looked at, my rankings, you might look at some and like, why are some of these guys up so high? And it's because guys we really like are not available. Other ones, we don't know if they're going to be available. Yeah. And then, then you factor in some hideous matchups and it's like, there's two or three games where I'm really excited about receivers, but then the rest, you know, I face Sophie's choice. Now I told you my three uh, top picks for my work league, yeah. I might actually end up having to roll Tyler Boyd tonight because I probably don't have any of those guys. 
later in the week. Well, that may not be a bad call because the Browns are starting like their seventh and eighth cornerback right now. They just brought up two guys yeah. from the practice squad. So Tyler Boyd <laughs> might be in for a career game tonight. You when never know. CJ Uzama catches three touchdowns, I'll remember well, that tomorrow. That's probably going to happen too because our linebacking core is really trash as well. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I hate to say this, and I think we kind of talked about it throughout the offseason. I think, unfortunately, this is what you're going to have to expect every single week, though, in the NFL season. I mean, you've got not even just these guys who all have more serious injuries than the hamstring stuff, but that's what Galladay is dealing with. You're going to have more of that again because the players have done literally nothing. Like, I know that they've been able to practice, but something we talked about that affected college games more than it did the NFL is they're not allowed to do any real live hitting in anything in practice right now. So they're still doing walkthroughs and barely wearing pads like that's going to affect you when it comes to game time and you just have to ramp it up and it's, Hey, let's go full, full, full go here. So I do think you're just, this is going to be a fluky, fluky NFL season. And if you can, if you end up, especially if you're playing in a league with a lot for big money or anything, if you end up winning it, you know, count your blessings. Cause it's going to be, it's going to be a very weird year. Yeah. Uh, I did want to, Oh, Connor, James Connor. I didn't so far. Did see not- he's not ruled out. Right. He's not ruled out, you know, so what, uh, boy, the Pittsburgh injury report might have been the saddest of all. I didn't realize Juju and Deontay Johnson both missed. They did not practice. Connor, I didn't end up ranking him. I ranked Snell middle of the pack instead. I would guess they said high ankle sprains, same thing that Michael Thomas has. And for a running back, I think that would be even, even worse. My guess would be he doesn't. Play. Hopefully the receivers do. Um, I didn't. I guess I didn't realize so many people got banged up in the games, or maybe the adrenaline kept people from realizing how banged up they were. I know he came out, but I didn't yeah. realize their receiver situation. They keep saying too, Kittle is going to play. You know, coach says he's definitely going to play on Sunday. He hasn't practiced, and honestly, he disappeared in the second half of a game yeah. that was competitive to the point of them losing. I know they're playing the Jets, but. Uh, San Francisco, literally, their wide receiver situation might be Kendrick Bourne and Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, um, I, as someone who owns Kittle in a few places, I'm honestly kind of worried or figure, trying to figure out what I'm going to do right now with yeah. that because we saw this again. We saw this at one point last year where I don't think I know he played, didn't really do much. I think the week after that was when they they finally just sat him. And I think Ross Dwelly got the start, and it was kind of late into the week too. They decided. Yeah. Well, uh, and they I have know- Jordan Reed now, which oh, yeah, exactly. And you know he he got a couple of catches. That's when I was doing tight end rankings. I didn't rank Kittle because I watched that play. His knee inverted yeah. for a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if he needs. A week I did rank Reed, but not that high. He's yeah, number one. I can't believe he's still playing. I know I ranked Kittle, but it was not high. I think even if he plays, you're not going to get the Kittle. Kittle. I think I ranked him at 15 or 16. Like I, I don't. I'm not expecting much out of him. So, like I'm lucky enough in a couple of my leads that I've got Johnu Smith, who I've been you know touting all off season in hopes that maybe he'll have another big game here. But I don't. I, I know that they're saying he can go out there and play without practicing, but I'm just like, do you really want to risk it? I mean, it is a hyperextended knee, and I know this is the same thing he dealt with last year, and he looked fine, but he did sit that one week. There was that week that he yeah. ended up sitting, not doing anything, then came back and played. You know, 49ers, I would think, consider themselves Super Bowl contenders. Do you really want to push it with your probably best offensive weapon this early in the season. So he's hey, definitely someone like need the to Jets watch. have much uh, going on because now Crowder's potentially. Uh, I, I didn't even I know he got, I didn't realize he got hurt either. And Mims went on IR along with uh, Bell, which I think went a little under the radar. So they, I mean, it really yeah. could be Braxton Berrios and. Um, Brashad Perriman week. It's going to be Brashad yeah. Perriman week. Well, I, I like Perriman. I think he's going to have a good year. I wasn't a high on him last week because he was going to get Stephon Gilmore most Gilmore most of the time, and yeah. I'm not. Nobody's going to beat Stephon Gilmore. So, yeah, I think that's why I'm not as worried about, say, Juju and Deontay Johnson. I think some of it, and that's something we have to, unfortunately, kind of wade through some of these injury reports because I know with the new rules and everything, it's if anybody misses practice, they have to go on the injury report now. And so it's one of those things where, 
are they really injured or is it one of those things that maybe they're just not practicing? And it's something we have to figure out. And it's not going to be easy because you're not going to have Mike Tomlin come out like, oh, now Juju and Deontay Johnson are 100 percent. We're just letting them sit this week and they might be banged up because of what we talked about. No hitting in practice. This is really the first live action they saw was last Sunday. And then this is going to be the second live action they've seen here in week two. So. Again, weird, fluky season. Just unfortunately, I think this year more than ever, you're got you. You'll have to stay vigilant. Whether you're on, you know, Twitter, Facebook, ins- I doubt there's going to be anything on Instagram. But watching everything Sunday mornings to see who for sure is in and out because it's, it's going to be one of those weeks where, you know, like we fat we didn't find out Miles Sanders was going to be out until late Saturday night. All the trending last week was he's good to go, he's going to play, and I think it was Saturday night or Sunday morning. Like, yeah, Sanders isn't playing, and it's like, uh, well, shit. So it, yeah, it's one of those things. Yeah, I think uh, God heard that we were doing re-rankings for Saturdays. Oh, I know. Yeah. It, I think it was Friday night that he got rolled. Was up. it Friday? We, were, we had just finished all taking people out, and I had yeah. taken a bunch of people out, and then they were like, "Oh, Mike Evans just changed from." Oh yeah, that's down, right. Yeah. Down for the question. Okay, we'll fix all that. Now Miles Sanders is out. You know, it's not even. You can't even go by the. Uh, last you know practice reports which are usually friday afternoons in years past has been you know if you you should have a real good idea but you're right saturday we were getting a ton it was and teams are not uh you know in pre-covid sometimes teams on the road would go out on thursday or friday so they'd have a couple of days but they're trying to really cut down travel and stay (laughs) that's a fair point uh, are trying to s- cut down the amount of time they're in hotels or get exposed to stuff. So yeah. some of the teams, like especially when they have those East Coast matchups of Philly and Washington, they were talking about, well, they're just going to travel day of by bus because it's like an hour and a half away. You know, they don't need to expose themselves and they're going to come back after the game. So you don't even have, you know, that's why we were getting some late reports on Saturday because that's when teams were actually starting to travel. So it's going to be, Probably right up till 90 minutes before kickoff, having to make yeah. it, which is great for those of us that work and might have important things going on in that time frame on Sunday yeah. mornings. Well, yeah, that's the worst. And I, I mean, you have to legitimately pay attention that close to kickoff because I know you have, I think it's up to 90 minutes before kickoff. You can bring a practice squad player up as well to fill yeah. a spot. So like that's, and again, I think a lot of that is just the COVID and everything going on. It's just, like I said, one of those years. Uh, I do disagree, not disagree with that statement. I agree. The Eagles line is bad. Uh, there is talk that I guess, uh, what is uh, my guy? His name just jumped out of my head. For those of you who don't know, I've, I've got some like serious pain meds running through my system right now. So I'm not a hundred percent Lane Johnson able to focus. Uh, he's supposedly going to be able to play And the stats between like what the Eagles offense does when Lane Johnson is in compared to not is like extremely interesting. I guess he's, he must be the key cog in that offensive line, but I think Miles Sanders is good enough to still produce and, and do stuff even, even behind that offensive line. If he's healthy, he's they a- said he's good to go. That might change by Friday or Saturday, but I know Dennis right. just posted in the discord that saying that Miles Sanders is good to go and will play Sunday. I just kind of saw it pop up. I don't know where he got that from. He doesn't seem to get duped like Ricky does. So I'm going to believe Dennis knows what he's, what he's talking about. All right, so Matt, you wanted to do a quick uh, update on our pigskin pick'em before we uh, we break in Thursday night football, it's, guys. This isn't going to be a long podcast. I re-injured my back because I'm old, so I'm I'm trying to 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 get through this so I can get ready for my Browns game tonight. So we will be a pretty short podcast today. But go ahead and give us that breakdown on on the pigskin pick'em. Are you doing uh, both of them? Or are you just doing the yeah. the one with the listeners? No, I'll start with our network. Uh, the standings posted today, but uh, uh, we have a group from our network. And for week one, uh, Jacob, our colleague, who's a co-host of the Music City Drive-In podcast on our network, actually had the best week one. He finished 11-5, and five, so he's in first place. Uh, Ricky, who is on uh, Music City Drive-In, but also the co-host of the Debbie Delight, is tied for second with my wife. Um, she wanted to make sure that everybody understood that she went 10-6 and six and I was pitiful. I am actually bringing up the rear. Uh, I went six and 10. I'm an eighth out of the eight of us that are in there. That includes my wife. Um, But I will say you and Dennis really wanted to keep me company because you're both, you both went eight and eight. So we're kind of bringing up, we, it can only go up from here. Uh, But then in our, uh, in our, uh, 
flip, uh, we we started Pick'em Pick'em Pick group for the for the Discord channel. You can join at any time. Our uh, friend Rob, who's actually a writer for us at the Fantasy Life app blog, went thirteen and three. He is uh, in first place in both our our group for the Discord and uh, in that group that I'm in. Just an incredible week, given all the. Uh, all that was going on, but yeah, my six and ten was definitely humbling, especially since it's you know published everywhere. But more humbling than that was that my wife finished ten and six, so I'm already four picks behind. Um, looking for better this week. Yeah, I mean, I could have gone at least nine and seven, but you know me, I always pick the Browns to win, even when I'm not sure that's actually going to happen. It seems to cost me quite. I know we talked about this. I think. Uh, it was either on air or off air at one point with Dennis about how like I was actually doing really good last year, and had I just stopped picking the Browns every single week to win, I might have actually had a had an even better record. So yeah, it's 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 one of those things, and you know, I can't confirm or deny who I picked to win tonight. I, I just literally put it in because I honestly forgot all about it. So let let's let's break down this game here. Let's let's jump into it. I'm not extremely excited about it. Or actually, I forgot college football. Big news. Do want to address that really quick. The Pac-10, the Pac-10. The Big Ten. The Big Ten is coming back. They are starting up on August. Tw- or no. October 24th. October 24th. My God, guys, this is a bad one. This is going to be a bad one for me. I can already tell. They're starting up on October 24th. I cannot wait. Obviously, can't. I'm so excited. I can't get the name or the or the date or the conference right here. Uh, but they are coming back. I've seen a lot of players are now deciding to possibly come back to school. A couple of Ohio State guys have. There's some other guys who've saying they're thinking about coming back now that it's for sure that the conference is going to play. It's going to be tight, and it's going to be interesting. They're only playing eight games, and they've only got nine weeks to get those eight games in. So we've seen a couple conferences postpone games due to COVID testing. I think the difference between theirs and the Big Ten is Big Ten is doing rapid daily testing. So you can find out within minutes or even the hour of your test if you're positive or not. If you are positive, those players have to sit for 10 to 14 days. So that's also going to be huge for the Big Ten as well. You know, I'll just use, because I am a Buckeyes fan, the Buckeyes, for example, if Justin Fields were to say test positive on a Saturday, he would miss that game and then another game before being able to come back. And obviously that's big news for college because, you know, while it may not matter when you're going up against the Rutgers or Maryland's of the world, but when you're going up against Penn State and you're throwing out their possibly true freshman CJ Stroud or Jack Miller or Kyle McCord, things are not going to look good for you. So that that's going to be an interesting thing. You know, with these college teams, I think quarterback's going to be the biggest one out of anything. If your quarterback tests positive, everybody's got depth ever on the other positions, but that is going to be big. Still, I'm excited to have Big Ten football back. I, you know, I've been quietly sobbing about it every Saturday here the past couple of weeks while the games have been on that I've been able to watch my Buckeyes. They are coming back, and I'm excited for it. There are rumors that the Pac-12 is now trying to get back. Uh, they're supposed to be having a meeting Friday now is what I saw on Twitter. I will say they are in a worse shape than most of us because of everything going on in California. Their laws are still very strict on things you can and can't do. Uh, And so I know a lot of schools have banded together. Some of the presidents of the schools have banded together to go up to the government to try and figure out a way to allow them to play. And I don't know if you heard the report yesterday, but California, Oregon, and Washington are actually blocking practice for football right now, not because of COVID, because I think that uh, most of those governments had said before they would work on letting athletics go without fans. But the air quality is so poor. We, you know, almost threatened to derail a couple of the NFL games last week. Yeah. They said the air quality is so poor right now they won't allow those teams to go out and practice. So a myriad of challenges. I would say that is what is also putting them in worse shape because you know we just saw actually it's had ramifications outside of sports. ABC has a, t- a TV show called Stumptown that films in Portland and is set in Portland, they just canceled the show because they said they're not going to be able to film this year. Wow. I didn't so know that. I'm, it kind of, the, the I think that's been a, a thing that those of us that aren't, uh, you know, we deal with it more like right now I woke up, I couldn't see the mountains. Our air quality is rated as healthful. The air quality right now in California, Oregon, and Washington on several days has been rated the worst in the world, worse than gotcha. China. So, oh, wow. 
that is probably you know these pro teams have these indoor facilities or yeah you know guys are getting paid they they're adults they can make their decision that that so far i think has put a damper on trying to come back yeah yeah and i mean look i'm not again i i i'm sure it's not a hundred percent healthy or great for a lot of these college teams to be playing to begin with i i'm very much on the side of if these kids want to play that they should be able to, it it is their choice. They're not 15, 16 year old kids. I would almost guarantee you they have more information that we're giving them credit for. I do think it's funny that we patronize some people for some things, but then when they, when they say that they want to do things, it it becomes a big issue. Like I'm not going to stand on either side. If the can't season would have stayed canceled, I wasn't going to throw a fit about it. Like some people were and then them playing, I'm not going to make a big deal about it either because the, the players have the option to opt out. If they don't want to play, or they don't feel safe. I have said that. I think with the COVID side that I do, and in my opinion, my job, I am faced with stuff like that every single day. I, I meet, I go into multiple businesses a day where I find out people have tested positive. I've met, I've talked to a, an employee that I've worked with uh, at one of my customers stopped the other day who lost 50 pounds because he was sick with COVID for three weeks and, and like ended up in the hospital. And I met, I touch him, talk to him, everything. Like I deal with that on a daily basis. I don't get some of the extra perks and everything that all of these college athletes get. Now, is that fair? No, I'm just going to be honest. The world's not fair people. So let's just stop with all this crap for the PAC 12 thing. I agree with you. I'm not, that's completely different than the COVID issue. And I, I just speaking of the air quality in general, I can't, I think it was the Rams players. I saw a couple of them who gave an interview saying that like there were times during the game last week that their eyes were burning because of how bad the, the air was and the smoke and everything. Because even though, uh, SoFi, I guess, is a it has like not necessarily a dome, but they have a roof, but they still have like a huge netting part in the stadium where the air it, can still get in. It's wide open on the yeah. side. So that was I was trying to figure out. I understood when they were talking about San Francisco's game being threatened. They're an open air stadium, and they, you know, we saw the pictures of San Francisco. Yeah. I couldn't figure out why they were talking about air quality being a threat threat to the Rams, because I thought they were in a dome. It is a dome over the top, but it's open so that you can feel the California breeze. That was how they described it on Sunday night, and I was like, "Well, that's dumb." Yeah, yeah. I was like, all of a sudden, that makes it makes a whole lot of sense now. But yeah, I just, so I'm with you. I mean, obviously, as someone who loves college football, and I'm lucky enough, I guess I should say, with my workings with Dynasty Nerds, that I've gotten to know players in the college football industry that I get to regularly talk to, some of which are in the Pac-12, and and talking to them and knowing how much they want to play. Obviously, I would love for them to be able to find a solution because not only, you know, my biggest thing with all that is, while yes, you may think, hey, this is great for the kids or for them to sit out because of their health, but you are also, in a way, affecting their future because some of these guys need another season to put on tape. You know, we use Joe Burrow as the example. Had this happened last year and a Joe Burrow type didn't play the college football season last year, he was rated as a fifth-round NFL pick. He went from a fifth-round pick to the number one pick overall. Like, one year can change your fortune. And for some of these kids, that's that not only is their dream, but it's something they need in their lives. Like, they've been counting on this their entire life to possibly make it to the NFL. So canceling the season, it, it affects more people than – then I think people realize. So it's not something I would take lightly. And again, I understand if that's what they need to do. I don't think that they're doing it for no reason because the amount of money that these schools and everything will lose as well in doing this is not going to be easy on them. So either way it happens, I hope it works out. You know, I want, I'm on the player side because I get to talk to those kids here and there and I know how much they want to play, but if it doesn't work out, I, I know that they're making this decision for the right reasons. So hopefully it, it happens, but as you said, with the with the way the wildfires and everything are going there, it, it does seem like that part of the country, it's going to be really hard to pull off games just because of the air quality. And then you have the COVID stuff on top of that as well. It's not, unfortunately, an easy time to be, al- I shouldn't say alive, an easy time to be in that part of the country just with everything going on. All right, now we will talk about the Thursday night football game because I completely forgot about the college stuff. So the Browns are getting six points in this one. On the Bengals side, uh, we're all pretty close in our rankings on Joe Burrow. I've got him at 18. Dennis has him at 16. You have him at 22. So are you expecting any kind of struggle from him tonight? I mean, 
I guess when I was looking at it, my biggest fear was that offensive line, in my opinion, didn't look great. Now, granted, San Diego's mm-hmm. or Los Angeles' defensive front is amazing with Bosa and Ingram there. You do have Miles Garrett, Larry Ogunjobi, and Olivier Vernon, where Ogunjobi and Vernon are not Melvin Ingram, but they're not scrubs. They're very good defensive uh defensive lineman including Sheldon Richardson then you do have Miles Garrett so I do think they'll be able to pressure Joe Burrow but are you worried about him possibly struggling tonight I mean struggling being a relative term I think we've seen you know he's a rookie we expect ups and downs he had ups and downs in game one (laughs) had that kind of really great rushing play but then followed it up he I believe they said his interception I didn't see it was he tossed one to a defensive lineman who was coming in kind of like a panic play so you're talking about a rookie quarterback making his second start really his second game ever in the NFL on a short week on the road against a division rival that has some really decent pass rushers if I'm the Browns defense the best way you protect a suspect secondary is by coming after uh, the quarterback and putting pressure, especially a young quarterback. And that's probably, we'll get to it a little bit later, but why there's a disparity for me and you guys and the way I ranked green and green against Boyd, it seemed like he really was locked on and had some kind of a connection with AJ green in week one. And I think, you know, you'll see that happen a lot tonight. I just, I think he'll be fine. I have both of the quarterbacks basically as low end quarterback twos. Baker really struggled game one. Hopefully we get a little bit of a bounce back game. I don't think both either will be awful, but I'm not incredibly excited about either. Yeah. I mean, like I said, we, we all have him as a uh, low end QB too. So none of us are really expecting much out of him tonight. I was curious to see, cause I do think that, you know, it's, we talked about how he looked good in that San Diego game. But then if you really go back and look at some of the stats and how many times he got sacked, hit everything like he he got pressured a lot more than I think it looked like at times during that game because it looked like he was having such a good game. Nixon's side, I feel like I really messed this ranking up the more and more I looked at it. So I've got him at 18. Uh, Dennis has him at 14. You have him at 10. And I was looking more into this because I, I you know, I was did a Bengals podcast yesterday. I kind of jumped on and gave my thoughts of what I think the Browns need to do to win and so on and so forth. And we were talking about how, like, the Bengals and Browns, it's always been closed games. It very rarely has one or the other blown the other out. And even last year, I brought up, you know, when when Dalton got knocked out and they had, I think it was Jeff Driscoll or somebody came in there to play backup quarterback. Like, they yeah, still, Ryan well, it was before Ryan Finley oh, yeah. came in. I don't remember who it was. But uh, it may have been two years ago even. I, I don't remember. But yeah. I, I know, like, when Dalton got hurt at one point and the Browns were up big. They were up, like, three touchdowns. And their backup came in and all of a sudden – he starts putting up a ton of points and then it becomes a shootout and it ends up being like a 45, 40 game. Like it was, it was incredible. And it, it always seems to be that way. And so I looked more into it. Joe Mixon in like his six games against the Brown has Browns has like 680 yards rushing, including one of which with his, his career high of 176 rushing yards, which happened last year against the Browns. In the top 12 top rushers against the Browns uh, in a single game, five of those spots belong to Joe Mixon. That's how good Mixon has been running the ball against the Browns. Now, granted, it's a little bit different defense, but not much. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, it's worse because of how bad our linebackers are this year. So I do think Mixon could be in for a good game. I My hope is, and this is probably not smart in ranking him here, is I think that the Browns know they have to they have to put this game on Burrow's shoulders. They cannot let Mixon beat them because that's how the Bengals have beaten them in the past is they let Mixon run all over them. They've got to control the clock. They've got to slow down Mixon. So I don't think he has that huge game, but I'm, I'm not far off from Dennis. You're the highest. You have him as an RB1 at 10. Dennis has him at 14. Are you just expecting that? I mean, it, it was a bad week out of him last week, and yeah. I don't expect him to be that bad. I do expect him to bounce back. But, I mean, you, are you expecting – I shouldn't say him to run all over the Browns, but is you think he will be the focal point of that offense tonight? Well, again, you know, short week. So these are the first two teams to kind of have that – dreadful three-day turnaround um the thursday night games that we've seen have often been uh sloppy low scoring affairs i think 
you add on to that the fact that we saw toward the end of Sunday's games, these players and teams are still having to work themselves into game shape and game conditioning because there was no preseason. And as we've talked about, there hasn't been a lot of contact or reps. Uh, you also have a rookie quarterback first time on the road at a division rival. I know we, you know, I can't remember if Browns are allowed to have fans or not. Yeah, 6,000. So not a huge home field advantage, but some. But you have some and you have piped in crowd noise. Uh, Rookie quarterback's best friend is a good running game. If they can get um, Mixon going, I think they want to give him the ball. He he looked okay at times in week one. His numbers take a little bit of a hit because of that fumble. I also was looking at this game as if there are two people – uh, that really want to come out in week two and make a statement that they are back and ready to go. One is going to be Mixon, who fumbled for the first time in 621 touches, who's going to want to come out and say, hey, this isn't me. I can bounce back. And they actually need him. That was kind of where I was leaning Bengals, uh, the focus on kind of the veterans, the veteran stars, him and A.J. Green. A.J. Green looks like he is actually finally healthy. He had a good connection last week. I think he and Mixon are where they're going to kind of go with the ball and try to use those veterans to keep everything going. Tyler Boyd, to me, is a little bit of a wild card. And then, you know, some of us, you know, we like T. Higgins long term. John Ross is still there. Auden Tape is still there. But I I I think they're going to focus on the top. And then on the other side of the ball, I feel like Beckham, they're going to make an effort to get him going. And he wants to make an effort to say, especially with all the noise that's been going on in these three days off the field and with Jarvis Landry having a hip injury and being limited in practice. And I I know they said he's going to play, but being already a little bit banged up. And I think the Browns are also going to lean on their running game. I think, this might be a quicker pace game, might be a lower scoring game. I think that both teams are going to try to use their weapons out of the backfield and control the clock and try to keep the defenses honest and try to wear them out because game conditioning yeah. is still a huge issue, especially on a short week. Yeah, and so for the wide receiver side here, and again, I, I do think this is a place that you can attack the Browns. Uh, I mean, again, they're just beat up all outside of that defensive line. They're starting like their third, fourth and fifth guys all over that linebacker core. I mean, you've got Denzel Ward who, and in all honesty, struggles with injuries as well. His first couple years in the league, obviously I hope he stays healthy because he's by far the best weapon we have back there. Uh, but they, they don't have greedy. Uh, they lost, uh, my guy, why did his name just jump out of my head? Del Pitt earlier in the year, you know, they're starting a couple of other guys. They just promoted guys up off the practice squad this morning. Uh, due to them trying to have some players. I was hoping they promoted. They have a cornerback on their practice squad called AJ. His name is AJ Green. I was kind of hoping they promote AJ Green so that you could have AJ Green covering AJ Green, but it didn't happen. Uh, so it, it kind of makes sense why you're so high on Green in that point. For me, I think they're both kind of in the middle. I'm not really high on either one of them because of what you said. I do think that they likely run the ball a lot, and I do expect the Browns to lean heavily on their run game as well and try and limit the amount of time that the Bengals have their uh, – uh, their their time on the field. So I have Boyd at 29. Dennis has him at 38. You have him at 32. Then I have Green at 40. Dennis has him at 27. And you have him at 13. So Green did look good. And I mean, I think maybe we're all looking at him the wrong way because if, if he doesn't, which I still don't think that was a real, a real push-off, if he catches that game-winning touchdown, you know, his stats look a whole lot better. He seemed to have a pretty good link-up with uh, – with Burrow, my only fear with Green and why I didn't rank him higher is I think Boyd has the better matchup because I do think while Ward doesn't always – I just muted myself. Ward doesn't always shadow, but he he does for the most part. So I do think he'll be on Green more often than not. What I am interested in seeing is the entire time Ward has been in the NFL, the, him and Green have not played each other because Green was injured. So this will be the first time that those two kind of go up against each other. Regardless, I think Boyd has a little bit of a better matchup going up against uh, – he's either going to get Terrence Mitchell or I think it's Tavarius Thomas. I mean, not someone that I, I would count on really being able to slow Boyd down. I think Boyd kind of had a bad game last week, and this will be his chance to step up. So that's why I'm a little bit higher on Boyd. But you're – I mean, Dennis yeah, is kind of in mean, the middle on both, so – it, it could happen. It just, you know, sometimes rookie receivers or rookie quarterbacks too, when they, when they start feeling pressure or it's under it, they kind of tend to lock on to one receiver. Um, and I think there was a reason they wanted to keep AJ green. 
I was a little underwhelmed by Boyd week one. Um, so, you know, we could see a reversal, but that was, to me, that was where I went caution-wise. And the other reason I think he, some of the receivers in this game are higher than I would typically put for this team and this matchup is it's a position that we just talked about has been yeah. hammer. You yeah. know, and so do, what is that, you know, Green was in the mid-teens without a touchdown last week. If he gets a score, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, you know, you can see him getting up there. Yeah, and, and another reason I was kind of lower on those guys, um, and I know neither one of you ranked C.J. Uzoma, but I think he's got the best matchup this week. Uh, I, I did look into it a little bit. So he ran the mo- uh, 10th most routes of a tight end out of all the tight ends last week. So he was in the top 10. Great, great. Outside of, you know, it didn't do much stat-wise. I think he only had 40 yards receiving, but... He's also going up against a linebacking core that is decimated. Their top pass cover linebacker in Mac Wilson is out. The best, yeah. ne- their next best linebacker really is BJ Goodson, who is mostly a a run stuffer. He is not someone you can trust in the receiving game. They still have Taki Taki, Sion Taki Taki back there, but he's struggling right well, now. He struggled last year and struggling right now. So I kind of think Uzoma. Of course, I say this, and he's going to completely shit the bed. But I kind of feel like he's the that's player. why. I- that's why I went a little higher on Mixon because I think one of the ways that you help slow down a pass rush, slow down the game and protect is to do screens. Um, and that is also great if you are exposing yeah. linebackers. And if uh, if it's me, I'd rather put the ball in the hands of Mixon and see what he can do than put it in the hands of Uzoma. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, mean, I, I I was talking to some people who were asking about who to play tonight in DFS, and I think I think Uzoma is the play just because, granted, you can't – it was like someone was asking me, he's like, well, I saw Mark Andrews went off, and so I'm like, eh, you can't make that comparison because Mark Andrews is a different animal. He is a beast. You know, and there's this quarterbacks that struggle covering him. It's going to be the Drew Sample coming out party where oh, he God. catches yeah, 10 passes for two touchdowns and – be like yes yeah i won't be saying that because well i don't really have uzoma anywhere but i'll feel bad because i did tell some people to play uzoma so i won't be saying that i'll get i'll be getting nasty text messages all night like i'm sorry all right i didn't even think juice sample still 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 in the nfl he had some catches yes uh last week yeah yeah second round draft pick i know but can't beat that draft cap you can. I've I've realized that draft capital doesn't mean shit. It really doesn't. Outside of like maybe a quarterback, and even then, it doesn't matter anymore. We've seen what happened to Josh Rosen. So, on uh, the Brown side here, uh, me and you are pretty close on Baker. I've got him at seventeen. You've got him at twenty-one. Dennis has him down at thirty. I, I feel like that's a little bit of an overreaction uh, out of last week. I mean, he'd even finished that low last week. So Dennis played Baker in a lot of places, apparently. I mean, so did I actually didn't. I sat him almost everywhere except for when I had to play him. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, and again, I, I don't want to bash Dennis because we can't have money here to get his reasoning. I personally think that's a little low. I mean, I'm not expecting Baker to have a huge yeah. night tonight, but 30. I mean, you've got so what, like Haskins and Darnold behind him and that's it. Like he's got to be better than some of those other guys. So, well, after last week, you should have Fitzmagic behind him. Yeah, well, I have Fitzmagic at 30, 29 this week. I put him dead last. I mean, I put Darnold dead last. He didn't look good, and now he's he gets, uh, he gets the bills. Yeah, no, no, thank you. No, I got you. I'm not in on him either. It's the countdown to two at time at this point. But I just, I don't think Baker's gonna be. I'm not expecting Baker to go out there like I said on the Browns podcast. If you want all of the, because I am not one of them, obviously. I'm still supporting six right now. I still think he's a phenomenal quarterback. I am not worried about him. Was it a bad game? Yes, it was. Were there things I wish he would have done different? Absolutely. Did he look bad? Yes, absolutely. But do I think that this is the end of the world for him? No. But there are a lot of Browns fans that do. If you want that fixed, if he goes out there and throws for like 350 and three touchdowns tonight, even if he throws an interception, everything's going to be good in the land. I don't expect that to happen, though. I do think it's going to be a, as you mentioned, a a very much a run-heavy game. I do think Baker gets over 200 yards, and if he throws a couple touchdowns, he's going to finish as a middle- you know, middle of the road QB two, especially if he doesn't throw an interception. And that's kind of what I'm expecting tonight. They are going to throw the balls. I do think they're, as you mentioned earlier, they're going to get Beckham the ball with everything that's gone on this week with all the Beckham back and forth. Now they want to trade him. Nobody said that, but this person's saying that all that crap. I do think well, they're even going if to try they do want to trade him. 
I mean, even if they do want yeah. to trade him, you got to have him look better than he did last week. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I do think that he's going to get some work. I'm not expecting him to be one of the worst quarterbacks in the league this week. Uh, for the running, go ahead. If he does, if he does finish at that QB thirty, I know. Uh, and the team, I won't be here tomorrow. Uh, then I think it is seriously time to start having some concern. You can overcome last week. Ravens are yeah. a great team. Learning a new system, opening week jitters, no time to play together. If he rolls out and does the same thing or similar against the Bengals, which to me is what a QB thirty ranking means, yeah, then it's 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 early. It is early. It's getting it's getting late early, as they say. I agree with you on that. Like if the Browns lose tonight, and I don't want to go too much into into this. I will be worried because it's not a game you should lose. And and we talked about, I think, on Monday's podcast, you know, the schedule for them to start off is not easy. But if they can go a four and four, even a three and five heading into their bye week, I still think they've got a real shot to make the playoffs because that back end of their schedule is is easy. They've got like two games on there that I think are are very hard games for them to win. And one of them is Baltimore and Pittsburgh. But it's not over if they lose tonight. And and my biggest thing, and I don't know if this will happen, and maybe I'm just trying to be too optimistic. I did get, um, you know, you know Jared, obviously, Ray. We were having a whole conversation about this Monday after the game, and everybody is bailing on Baker, it seems. And I feel like I'm the only one still on that train. And uh, I... I think you still have to give him this year because of what we talked about, I think, on Monday or Tuesday. This is his third year in the NFL with his third head coach, third offensive coordinator, third system. And I get that he's a professional and he should learn this stuff, but he didn't run a necessarily pro-style offense in college. So coming into the NFL and learning this was different. And each system he's been in has been in completely different than the last one. Hugh Jackson was nothing like Freddie Kitchens. Freddie Kitchens is nothing like Stefanski. So everything is brand new. And then you add on top what we've been talking about this entire episode, it seems the lack of offseason, the lack of practice with everything going on with COVID. I don't feel like he's really gotten a fair shot to learn this offense. And then first game action, you throw him out there against arguably one of the best teams in the league, easily the second best team in the AFC, because I still think the Chiefs are the best. And you expect him to go out there and throw for 350 yards and three touchdowns? Like, yes. If he goes out there and has another bad game against the Bengals, you do have to raise some red flags, but I don't. I personally will not panic. I've said that I'm giving him... I'm giving him till at least a bye week to see where he's at at that point. And I still think he should get the whole season. And if he plays like he did, does the entire season, like he did in week one, we're going to be a top three pick. And then, yeah, at that point, give me Trevor Lawrence, give me Justin Fields. I'm sorry, Baker. I hope that you can – I still will support the kid. I love him. Whatever team he ends up on next, I hope he ends up revitalizing his career. Maybe it was just a Browns thing because we've seen it happen before. Wouldn't be surprised if it happens again. But that's just my thing. I, I'm not. I'm not bailing on him. I, I don't. I, I will admit that if he has a bad game tonight, it's not going to look good, and it's going to cause people to panic even more because this is a team. And it's what I said on the Browns podcast. On paper and on the field, you should beat the Bengals. There, there's no question. You have the better team, even with the injuries that the Browns have on defense. You have the better team. You should win this game. And if you want to be a winning organization, if you want to be considered a good quarterback, everything you have to win this game. You. Baker Mayfield have to find a way to win this game. So I hope that it happens. If it doesn't, I'm not going to bail yet. Now I could change my mind come Friday when we're recording, but as of right now, I'm saying I'm not going to bail just yet. Yeah. I just think, you know, we're in that kind of range. It feels a little bit like uh, with Mayfield and Sam Darnold, I'll throw them in here that we are in kind of the same conversations that we were seeing happen with Mariota and Jameis Winston. And, you know, when they get to the end of that, Rookie period, you know, Mariota's on IR holding the clipboard for the Raiders. Jameis holding the clipboard in New Orleans, watching Tom Brady lead his old team. You know, it, this, it really does feel, and boy, Baker at least is in a situation where he seems to have a, an actual coach and has some weapons around him. I feel bad for Darnold, uh, you know, they, but they seem to have their fates kind of intertwined as the first and third, you know, pick overall in that draft. Um, you know, it's got to be tough too. Baker watching a guy that was taken in the same class as him that's, you know, already been an NFL MVP, already put up a 14 win season. Um, well, 
And, and, you know, my argument with that is, and I think that that's finally happening this year, and that's kind of what I hate about what's going on with Baker is that Baltimore built around Lamar. They came out and said, hey, we're going to make him our guy, and they built the entire offense around him, and and now he's thriving because they built in and worked into what makes him good. And I feel like they've not done that with Baker. They really haven't. And and my thing, and I want to ask you, because I do feel like sometimes I do get biased, and people call me that, and it is what it is. I, I am a huge Browns fan. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Josh, or not Josh Weed, Brandon Whedon or Deshaun yeah. Kaiser. I'm out here defending those guys, but I do think Baker is is a really good quarterback. And so, my question to you is: is and I do agree, you have to link kind of Baker and Sam because they were the top two. And in all honesty, for most people, they were the top two of that class. Like people forget, I was listening to NFL Radio today talking about. Really, I think up until it was probably three or four days before the NFL draft, everybody was talking about was it going to be Darnold or Rosen going to the Browns, and then Baker kind of came out of nowhere. And in fairness to that as well, Baker, after the college season ended, was considered more of like a third or fourth round pick. He was not anywhere in the discussion of being a number, a, a top, a first round pick or even the number one overall pick. But we've actually seen it from Baker where we haven't really seen it from Darnold. Like we've seen flashes yeah. from Darnold. We saw an entire rookie season of Baker that was great. So I kind of feel like that alone should show you that he has the talent. But you can do irreparable harm to these young guys with as bad as a team as you ran out there last year. And again, not bad offensive-wise or skill position-wise, but what the coach did last year was horrible. And I think that mm-hmm. that did kind of – it shot Baker a little bit. It, 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 it you know killed his confidence and everything. And that's what you need. That, for me, is the difference I've seen from year one to where we are now with Baker. He's not the same confident guy. Now he seems kind of timid. He's got the happy feet and everything. Like, we need to get him back to that gunslinger that he was. Because, yeah, he's going to make those throws just like Brett Favre, where you're like, what the fuck were you thinking? But then at the same time, he's going to make that throw, and you're like, holy shit, that's one of the best throws I've ever seen. Like, And I'll, I'll always equate it to the throw that he makes to Jarvis Landry, who was double-covered in the end zone against the Carolina Panthers. 50-yard touchdown bomb right to Landry in between two defenders. Baker can do that, and we just haven't seen that the past year and a half, and I do think that's because of what the coaching staff did. So is there? do you think that there's any legitimacy to that argument, or is it just me being too, too fandomish, I guess? I think there were two things that I would say worked really against him last year. Um, and, you know, I'm going to set coaching aside because he probably had a rapport there. Their offensive line was a real problem, and the weight of expectations when you bring a player like Beckham in and you add Hunt and you you feel like you've hit the lottery with kind of Landry. And, you know, they were a huge trendy pick. Some people were picking them into the Super Bowl last year. That's a ton of expectation behind a bad line. We both think that they worked on fixing the line. Is it perfect? Probably not, but they've definitely taken steps toward that. But that weight of expectation is still there. Still a lot of people hold on looking at the talent on paper. And I, you know, we talked about it a little bit on Monday. Is this going to be end up being a case of you have a lot of great pieces, but they don't work together because we saw them go, you know, and add Hooper this off season. They just re up Kareem hunt. They're like, Hey, we're, we're building this core. We want to have this all-star team. And that comes with small star expectations. Sometimes, you know, most, most of us thought the Ravens going into last year, were going to be a work in progress. They didn't have any flashy names at receiver. Nobody really knew what Lamar Jackson was going to be able to do, or if the offense would be successful. And, you know, Mark Ingram didn't strike fear in the heart of anyone, and they were able to basically come out of nowhere and and build their confidence. It's almost like the reverse happened. The first year that Baker came onto the field, you know, displacing Taylor, it was, you know, not a lot of expectation, not a lot of pressure. They had already canned their coach, you know, so it was anything you could do was going to be gravy. I think we saw uh, that happen to other quarterbacks a little bit too. So it's early, you know, you don't want to – and the Ravens are a very tough team. And I think if he even – if he has a modest game, none of us are picking him super high this week. If he has a low-end quarterback two game, that's that's fine. He's working into it. My thing was if he – you know, when I see Dennis putting him at QB 30, to me, it's somebody that's going to be bottom end. That's maybe turnovers, looks bad, has trouble moving yeah. the ball, has, you know, is a bottom bottom end. 
if that's continuing to happen, that's yeah. where, you know, is it too much? So I think those are the kind of things we get, we got to watch as we go through. Yeah. And I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't expect him to be at 30. I feel like that's being, I think, and again, I don't know Dennis's thoughts on it and I will obviously be able to ask him about it tomorrow. I do think, I, I, maybe he's taking too much from what happened last week. Because, again, at the same time, not all of the bad stuff that happened was on Baker. Someone who watched the entire game, there was not everything was on Baker there. Yeah. But, and well, I, will and I say, think he also ranked the running backs higher, so he might also just think it's yes, going to be did. a, running, ga- a yeah. running game. I think they're going to run a lot too, but I just think Baker's going to do enough to get into that tier two and, and have yeah. a clean, cleaner, more polished game. Yeah, and I did want to touch on one thing, and then we will move on. I promise. As uh, I do agree with you on the um, the too much talent thing because that's the other thing I will say is he didn't. Ha- Landry was their best offensive weapon. I mean, Chubb was too. Obviously, don't get me wrong. Chubb is phenomenal. Chubb is better than Landry, but Landry was a guy, and Landry is not a guy who is going to complain about not getting the touches. Which I and I'm not saying that that's what Odell was doing because really we didn't see it at all last year, and I would even say again. I think he gets a bad reputation. Even in the interviews he's done this past week, he has not said anything about not getting the ball. He said, would I like to get that ball? Yeah, absolutely. But that's because I want to put up stats and I want to win. That's what I care about. I want to win. And he is someone, and I believe it as well, is one of the best wide receivers in the game. And he just hasn't been able to showcase that. And so I can see where his frustration comes from, which is why I've said, and I think I said it when we were on Monday was, I'm giving the Beckham experiment till the trade deadline. If they can't figure out a way to get him more involved and get him looking like what he did in New York, I would not be surprised if they don't move him by the trade deadline. But I, I don't think that it's something you have to do right now. Like I, I, When I saw that stuff came out Monday, I was like, I swear, here we go, the Browns being the Browns again. Like, Why would you trade? In my opinion, he is your best offensive weapon. I love Chubb. I love Landry. When Odell is right, he is the best offensive weapon on the team. Why are you going to trade him, number one, at his lowest point, and number two, no real shot of seeing what he can do because we know that that offense didn't work last year. And on top of that, this is it was Stefanski's first game. Like, Let's give them a shot to try and see if they can figure this shit out. They went up against, as we just mentioned, one of the best teams in the AFC, NFL in general. You cannot just sit here and assume that that's what it's going to look like every single week. We don't need a QB. We have a QB. I hate it. I hate it so much. Everybody coming for Baker. All right. On the run game, you did mention, and I do think this is key to point out, something we need to watch. Uh, It does look like Jedrick Wills is going to play. They've got three offensive linemen, technically four, listed on the injury report. Sam Hubbard, who's a backup. That'll be key if Conklin sits, because if Conklin's out, Hubbard's going to be the guy who has to cover for him. If Hubbard's out as well, you're, you're called one of the practice squad guys, and that's not pretty at all. Uh, JC Treader and Wills are both on there, but I'm expecting both of them to play. Treader is just because he was on the practice report last week. He played phenomenal, in my opinion, with the way he was uh, shutting down Calais Campbell at time, just coming off knee surgery. I think Treader's good to go. Wills has been practicing all week, so I think Wills is going to be fine, but Conklin is the one you need to watch. If Conklin is out, I don't think it affects the running game that much. We've all talked, me and you've talked about, and we think Dennis is kind of on there. He is higher on the running backs. I have him at 14. You and Dennis have him at 12. I have Hunt at 21. You two have him at 19. My reasoning on having him just a little bit higher, Chubb, is I do think that they are going to run the ball a lot more. I think game script kind of screwed Chubb last week with the way they got behind so quick. So I think this is going to be a more Chubb game. Hunt's obviously going to get involved. Uh, but I, And again, I don't only have them two spots lower than what you guys do. But I think for me, if I'm betting on one running back this week to have the good game, it's going to be Chubb. What, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, the, the backfield? Yeah, I think Chubb will have a good game running. Uh, I think the reason I had um, Hunt kind of in the solid RB2 territory is uh, passing work. Again, yeah. you know, Landry didn't practice a lot coming off a short week, has that hip injury. I know he's going to play, but again, you know, short week, banged up a little bit. Um, and it seemed like, you know, Njoku's gone. It seemed like uh, Hunt might be kind of – Higher, higher up in the target uh, yeah. order than than a Hooper. We, I think, we all had Hooper yeah. low end, tight end too. Even with Njoku, I, and that's you know much like we talked about Hayden Hurst having to develop that rapport and stuff. We saw how hard and how long it was with a normal off season for Baker and Odell to get on the same page. Sometimes new system, 
new scheme, new team, new quarterback. Um, so to me, that was where I was kind of looking. I thought that they might focus on their two running backs and try to jumpstart Odell. And, and I, I just don't think it's going to be a super high-scoring game tonight. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's in the teens, a little bit like where, um, where the Bengals game was with the Chargers. Yeah, I think when I when I predicted the score yesterday for the Bengals pod, I said I think it's going to be like a 24-17 game. Like I'm I'm not expecting it to be that high. I think that's I think the over under is 43 tonight. So the the NFL or the Vegas odds makers are not expecting it to be high scoring either. And that's kind of why I had Odell in at 16. Uh not all we were not far off on on him at all. You had him at 14, Dennis had him at 19, I had him at 16. That's kind of my thought as well. So I do think they're going to get him involved, but I think for him to have that that high end like what I would love to see him get back to that wide receiver one territory. He's going to have to score a touchdown. I'm not sure that's in there today. So I kind of, I ranked him at 16, hoping for better, but I think he can easily finish as a solid wide receiver two this week. Cause I think they'll give him the ball. Uh, I do think this is interesting because now, just so you guys know, none of us see each other's rankings as we're doing this. It's it's interesting to see how close we come in with each other sometimes. And we really don't see our rankings now because Chris made us that yeah. beautiful uh, segregated sheet. And he puts everything together. So, yeah, we just go in and plug ours. We don't see what anybody else does. So I do think it's interesting. Uh, Landry, I have at 28. Dennis has him at 30. You have him at 31. And I would say, at least for me, Again, I ranked Landry as low as I did just because I think it's going to be a Beckham game and Chubb game. So that was kind of, for me, is that the same reasoning for you on Landry? Yeah, and I I think, you know, again, he's obviously not hurt enough to be out, but missing practice, short week, a hip injury for a guy who's kind of a precision route runner, to me, strikes as as something to watch. You know, then we saw last week receivers that gutted through and played with lower body injuries weren't quite as effective. And, and I mean, that's the one thing you can give Landry. I don't think that dude's missed, but maybe two games in his entire career. He he's always been out there and playing and just for It's not a new injury. If any, if anybody's curious, it's he had surgery on that hip in the off season. They've said to begin with that, it was going to be something he's going to have to work through if he wanted to play just because he, he was kind of getting back quicker than they expected. So when he didn't look bad at times uh, last week, but I would imagine that's part of the reason why he wasn't mm-hmm. as involved in the offense. And again, you're and not. A big leader, a, so. Well, and especially on a short week, you know, yeah. they're only three days removed and playing Baltimore is a, it, that's yeah. always a physical game. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're right there with you. And then as you mentioned, none of us have Hooper ranked high. Uh, me and you both have him at 19, Dennis at 18. I'm just, I think for me at this point, for me to kind of buy all into Hooper, I need to see it first. I've I've been all on the trend that I don't think Hooper is a huge part of this offense. I do think they brought him over because of how he he can be used in the offense. We saw it in Atlanta, but he's also a really good blocker, and that's what Stefanski uses, bringing that Kubiak outside run zone scheme. They like the tight ends to block. That's what you saw a lot of Kyle Rudolph doing or Smith doing. So I think Cooper will be used, but just not enough for him to be that top tight end he was in Atlanta because in Atlanta they used him as pretty much just a bigger wide receiver is what they used him for. So I don't see that happening. If anything, now that Njoku's out, I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see more of Harrison Bryant tonight. We, we saw a yeah. little bit of him last week in Baltimore. I wouldn't be surprised if we see more of him tonight, and he's the guy getting the stuff that Njoku got last week. So not in on, on Hooper. Love him as a talent. Glad that he's with the Browns, but I, just, I don't see him as much of a, of a fantasy stud. Well, and again, Hooper's a better talent than CJ Uzama, but if I'm sitting back there and I'm thinking, you know, I could throw some screens and get the ball in the hands of Kareem Hunt in space, yeah. that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. All right, so – Time to pick the game. Uh, I went Browns. I can't. I can't go. I can't pick against them, even when I know I should. I, I do think I am worried about this game. It's clearly I've kind of talked about this entire podcast. I don't think it's necessarily an easy win for the Browns, like I kind of thought it was earlier in the offseason. I kind of circled both Cincinnati games as easy wins for the Browns. I don't feel that tonight. I do think it's going to be a close game. Kind of glad I have off work tomorrow because I feel like I'm going to be stressing about it all night long. Uh, but I do think that the Browns pull out the win. My hope, and I always say I hope this because I think it'll revitalize all our love and hope in Baker, is that it's a close game down into the fourth quarter, and Baker is the one that makes some plays and makes some throws to get the Browns the win or secure the victory, whether it's a couple first down throws or something to to bleed out the clock. And everybody can kind of jump back off the bridge here about wanting to kick Baker out of Cleveland. What are your thoughts on the game tonight? 
maybe step back up on the bridge. You don't really want him to jump off the bridge. Yeah, yeah, right? Jump backwards. <laughs> jump backwards. That's about it. Yeah. Take a step back from the ledge, my friend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, I, I picked the Browns, too. I, I'm with you. I don't think it's going to be a blowout or anything like that. I think it's going to be a closer, kind of uglier, low-scoring game, which is what we have tended to see in the past from these Thursday night games in the early – in September and early October, even in the best of times. So, you know, I think it's going to be close, but uh, I th- – I think the fact that so many people swung and are picking the Bengals feels like a little bit of an overreaction to what was a, it was a bad game, but it was a bad game on Sunday for Cleveland. Yeah. For my sanity, I'm really hoping the Browns pull that one out tonight because tomorrow's podcast is going to be brutal. If it does not work, like I, I might just come over here and be like, all right, just tell me you guys are good. And just hit record. I'm going to pull myself off screen. I'll let you and Dan, Dennis hand, handle everything. And then and you can come back Monday. four hours later because we yeah, no, I, know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's that. We're, we're working on it. People. We promise we're going to try and limit it. We're, we're trying to get it down to an hour and a half. Give us a couple weeks if, to figure this out. If only you could have seen our, our private chat during that we need oh, to get this going yeah we're gonna yeah. make it shorter we're gonna make and i'm yeah, looking at it and like, oh my wife's staring at me now it's Asking funny because what i'm doing with my life it's funny because you know that you say that and like that was the way it was last year too like we were still going like two hours just the two of us and then we add you on as well I'm like i'm thinking about it, i was watching it's like well, I was like, and I'm, I'm like, I'm trying to shorten the questions up, and then we still start going into depth. Like, nope, 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 stop, stop. We got to get. So yeah, we're, we're working on it. We'll we'll figure it, it was, out. It takes without fail, whichever one of us posted, we need to go faster. Then went on like a ten minute yeah. diatribe about exactly. whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, and it doesn't help when you've got the Browns going into a game like they were with Baltimore, and I I went on like a, a five minute TED talk about how I think the Browns can win. So you know, hey, we're just like the NFL teams right now. We're working through it. We didn't get much of a preseason to figure this out. So we're working through it. We will be back tomorrow. I, I do need to mention, if you're watching live, obviously you can see it. If not, uh, we are partnered with Thrive Fantasy. You can use the promo code GEEK. Enter $20, you get $20 back. Uh, play some daily fantasy football, win yourself some money. Uh, you can jump on Sunday with me and Ricky. We'll be talking DFS and starting lineup questions for you guys so we can help you guys out if you go Thrive Fantasy. Uh, check us out on musiccitydriving.com. We've got a Discord channel that we've mentioned a couple times here in the podcast. Jump in there, talk some football with us, have some fun. We do a lot of, uh, uh, a lot of shit talk talking to each other, especially when it comes to like me and the Browns and Ricky with some of his bad calls. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Jump in there and have some fun with us. And you will see me and Matt back tomorrow with Dennis. We will recap, hopefully a Browns win, and we will preview the rest of the Sunday and Monday football games for week two. Go Ohio. Yeah. Battle for the Buckeye state. Let's just hope Cleveland, the Browns win the battle for the Buckeye state. Prepare for glory. You got your popcorn ready. You got your popcorn ready. I came out the wall wide already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only tackle in the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>